praise God. You know, one, one of the things that Isabel said there is, please, please don't forget to, thank you, please don't forget to pray. Isabel, I don't doubt that nearly everybody here is praying, okay? I don't doubt that, but they don't get answers. That's the problem. They don't get answers. And I've noticed in the last few months that it's always good in churches to see people get answers, to hear, oh, we prayed this, and then it happened. You used to have a lady in Dublin called the Weymouth, just like that. And, I mean, it really draws my attention when you ask somebody to pray for something, and you turn up two days later, and it's there. That's, you know, something's happening. So, by all means, I know we all pray, but if you don't pray correctly, you don't get the answer. Okay, There's, uh, Scripture is, is packed full of how to pray, not just pray. And you can spend hours, in fact, many people do. It's wasted energy, you're wasting your time. Uh, you can actually pray a short time. I pray a lot, I get up early just like you. But you can waste not just hours, you could waste years. Because you're not fulfilling the criteria of prayer. There's nothing special about Isabel. Don't say yes, John, just be quiet. Sorry, just... <laughs> There's nothing special here. But you know what this is? Someone is fulfilling the criteria. I know what you're doing, even if you don't. She's doing certain things, which means when she's praying, God is able, holy God is able to hear her. That's the first place. He's got to get to heaven. He's able to receive that prayer. And then he's, he's enabled by what she is doing to follow through on that. And that's a place we all need to get to. So I'm happy and sad. I'm, I'm you know, content with you and your prayer life, but I'm far from satisfied. In fact, if you were to ask me, what is my greatest frustration with you? It's your prayer life. I love this church. It's easy to love this church, isn't it? Say yes. yes. Thank you. It's easy to love this church and you. But if there's one thing outstanding in, in, on my frustration list, it is your prayer life. Because what happens is, we, we, we pray for so long, and at some point, that prayer, at one point, the prayer was in your heart. It was a living thing, an active thing, a passionate thing. And at some point, you give up on prayer. But you're still a Christian. But in your heart, you've given up. So what do you do then? Well, you come Friday night, you sit here, you, you go through the motions because it kind of looks good. But there was something got turned off somewhere. Some connection was broken along the way. And rather than pay our attention to fix that, we end up, many Christians end up spending decades. And in the heart of heart of hearts, they actually gave up somewhere along the way in real prayer, in prayers that are answered. And I would encourage you to be ruthless. I mean, if I ask you a question, Brenda, and I don't get an answer, there's something wrong. I need to be able to walk up and say, Davis, could you pass me that cup? And he passes me the cup. So you need to be able to pray a prayer and see the answer. Is that normal? Amen. That's absolutely normal. It's 100% normal. But many of us are praying prayers, not getting the answer, and don't care. Or just get into a state of apathy, and that is terrible. That is not the place that we should be. It is not a healthy place for you to live. Don't stay there. So I'm content with us as a church, but I'm far from satisfied with you as prayer people. And I have been a good example to you on this. You can definitely say amen there. I've been a very good example, and you've had some excellent teaching and guidance on prayer. So really, you are without excuse. You've had the information, you've had the example, but you have still failed to get to the place or the level in this critical part of your Christian life. If the prayer is wrong, I guarantee you folks, everything else is wrong. If the prayer part of your life is dysfunctional, everything else will eventually be dysfunctional. Sooner or later, it will fall apart. There has to be that, that, that primary connection. It's my breath. It's my breathing. It's my prayer life. If you stop breathing, stop breathing a moment. Just shut your mouth. <laughs> stop breathing. You're not going to live long. Okay? You can, you can breathe again now. Don't start turning blue on me. Right? That, that, that's not, if you stop praying, 
it's not long, you know, before you're going to start spiritually dying. You're going to start withering away. And then we just get into soulishness and we lose the spiritual side of ourselves. No good. I travel a lot, as you know. We go all over the world. You spend hours and hours in airports and you soon get to see the types of people that are there. And it's the same all over the world. There's no different different countries. Do you watch the EasyJet program? You see that on TV. EasyJet, there's, there's one in Gatwick. There's, there's airport programs where they take the camera and they go in and they hang around at the check-in desk. Have you seen the program? Yes. Say yes, thank you. Even if you haven't seen it, just say it. These people come in, listen, they come in and they walk up to the thing and the guy looks around and he, he's forgotten his passport. So he turns to the girl behind the curtain and says, okay, I'm going to fly. And says, ah, sorry, you haven't got your passport. What do you mean I'm not flying? What sort of airline is this? And the woman has to stand there, right? And they'll shout and they'll bawl and they'll think, it's not my passport, sir. It's your passport. You forgot it. Or another person will come in. I saw one woman and she came in. She had her ticket. She was looking at the screen and she went over to this attendant and she said, what a pathetic airport. Here I am. I'm trying to get my flight. There's no information. There's no desk. What sort of airport? It is ridiculous. And he goes, could I see your ticket? And he looked at the ticket. You're in the wrong airport. You know? And there are certain things that if you don't have them, you're not going to fly. Right? It's not rocket science, excuse the pun. Passport, ticket, visa. Okay? You've got to be the correct baggage. You've got to be there in time. And if you fulfill that criteria, then you're going to take off. Not only are you going to take off, you're going to have a good time, you come back, and most importantly, and this is my point, you'll fly again. You'll go back on another trip. You'll have a good experience with that trip, and that will cause you to go back to the airport. But the most common line on those airport programs, the most common thing you will hear them say is this, I'm never going to fly with EasyJet again. Right? Never going to pray again. And the mistake is ours. 99, I've got no patience with the airlines, don't get me wrong. But if you actually listen to the complaints that are made, 99% of the fault is with the, it's with the traveler. It's with the traveler. They're not obeying the criteria, and then they're shouting at the airlines, and then they say they're not going to fly anymore. And then it's the same with prayer. We don't obey the conditions, the prerequisites. I struggle to say that word. Prerequisites. We don't obey them. We don't pay any attention to them. And then when we don't get the answer, we say, well, do you know what? I'm just going to not pray anymore. I'm just going to give up on that. Crazy, huh? Stupid. Because all of us can have answers, but we're going to have to... Look, this is not an exhaustive list. Many of these things we've looked at before. But last week, last Monday, I think it was, I just felt really led to, to gather together the different points of criteria for answer prayer that we've looked at over the last eight years and just put them all in one sheet. It's not exhaustive. There'll be many more that you can think of and please do if you think of more, tell us and we can add to that list. But today I want you to think of yourself and think of your own life. Maybe everything on this list applies to you, but I guarantee some of this list will apply to you. There will be something somewhere that is causing a blockage for your prayer because God wants to put prayers on your heart and to answer them. That's the nature of the kingdom, right? Part of the reason why we're on the earth. Look at the first one. In fact, turn to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Jesus talking here, nice and simple, nice and blunt, so you're not going to get confused, nothing ambiguous. Mark 11, verse 24. Therefore I tell you, in other words, he's being pretty strict here. There's no negotiation. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer... Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. But, and, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins. And in several other places in Mark, I think it's Matthew as well, he says, you know, your prayers are not answered if you hold on forgiveness in your heart. Criteria number one. Prerequisite number one. In fact, it says if you hold on forgiveness, don't bring your offering, don't bring your worship. Be quiet, leave, go out and sort the problem out. So I ask you to, to, to think about yourself. 
Israel, sorry for using you as an example today. It's part of your ministry. You have to take that. We've had a few run-ins over the years. We've had a few disagreements with Isabel. But I'll say this. Isabel can't go home with a disagreement with me. She's one of the few people, there's a couple in the Pakistani congregation, if I do anything wrong, or if she feels offended, or if something's not right, or something, um, she has a little line that she finishes, she'll come to me very respectfully, Pastor Mike, can I just talk to you? I don't agree with this, I don't agree with that. And I'll say, this is what I'm doing, and this is my final decision. And normally when she's leaving, she'll have this little last line, like most women, she'll have this little last line that says this, I just wanted to say that. Very good. It's the fulfillment of the first one. What she's saying is, I'm not leaving this place with unforgiveness or division or anything wrong with you. I'm going to put this right. We're going to talk it out. Even if we still disagree, we're going to talk it and then I can go home with peace. That is good. Amen? Amen. And it's one of the reasons, one of the essential criteria for answered prayer is that, remember, it works both ways. Scripture puts it two ways. It says, if someone has offended me, and I'm hurt, I need to go and and, and sort that out. And then it puts it the other way, if I have offended them. Right? It's both ways. So if you have offended someone, Scripture says that needs to be brought to a position of forgiveness, so that your prayers will be answered. And vice versa. Don't underestimate it. It's a big bit... Folks, God has been a really prophetic week this week I've had. A really, really prophetic week. I was writing this, this message 5 o'clock in the morning in McDonald's, believe it or not. And I'm sitting there on this point. I'm writing down, right, forgiveness, forgiveness. And someone comes up, tap, hello, hello, hello. And it's an old member. Used to be in this church. Real problem person, actually. I was shocked. Haven't seen him for ages. And he came in here years ago. And he was full of bitterness and unforgiveness. This pastor is that. This church is that. That's it. And I met him for the first time. I felt sorry for people like that. And I remember saying, why don't you just attend here for a while? And I met him many times. I gave him time. I gave him, you know, tuition and how to get rid of his forgiveness, unforgiveness. But he never did. And now this is a few years later. And I'm sitting right in this meeting. And there he is. Standing in front of me. That's quite short. I said, oh, hello. <laughs> and you know, he paused for a moment. You know what he was spurting out? Same old stuff. Same old stuff. This church is that, and this church is that, and your church is this, and you're this, and you're that. And then he said, I'm just going to go and get some, can I come and join you? I said, no, you can't. He was kind of gobsmacked. I, can I just come and, I said, no, you can't. I'm, I'm going to do my work, so goodbye. And he went off like a whipped dog. He's very slow. And he got whatever he's getting, and he walked past the window, just like that, bye. <laughs> they look at me. Wow, didn't expect that. I thought he would hear me. I thought you would hear me. I thought you'd be open to me, Pastor. God, I thought you'd listen to me. You see, with that man, I just treated him the way God would. God says, when you hold on forgiveness in your heart, get away. Don't bring your offering, go out, and don't bring your worship. It says, go. So I told him to go. Painful thing to do for me, believe me. I don't like doing that. But he needed a wake-up call. Because he disappeared from here before we had any chance to deal with him. No matter how severe, life is tough, folks. Life's tough on all of us. But you need, you need to learn to forgive and to make it your daily practice. I, I, forgive me for sharing this if you've heard this before, but you hear many examples of the need to forgive. The worst I've ever encountered in my life was a guy who came in, he looked as if he'd had a stroke. He came into our church in Dublin and uh, I actually ended up sitting beside him. And uh, We got talking. I said, you've had a stroke. Is it a, well, he said, no, no, no. And he didn't want to talk about it. I wanted to talk about it. I said, what happened to you? And reluctantly, he said, I'm a drug addict. Heroin addict. And I was shooting up in a den one day with this guy who hated me. And I shot up and I passed out. And when I was asleep, he scraped blue mold off the wall. He put it in a syringe. He injected my arm. And when I woke up, I've been paralyzed ever since. Wow. You hear some bad things happening to people, but that's, that's pretty bad, sir. Pretty bad. And then he started to tell me how he was going to kill this guy. Torture him and kill him and kidnap. All this crazy stuff. 
going on in his head because of his bitterness and his anger. And we were closing up. And I remember I wouldn't let him leave the building. You know, I refused to let him go. He's very aggressive. I was even more aggressive because I felt sorry for him. I said, no, you've suffered enough. And holding this unforgiveness, just making you suffer more. And it took ages. But eventually I had to tell him, if you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. This is going to block your life. You have to let it go. Think of your own benefit. Think of yourself, okay? Forget about the guy. Think of yourself. And think about setting yourself free in this instance. Eventually, after a long time, I got him to pray this prayer. I forgive him. In Jesus' name, I forgive him. It's important, folks. Let God shine his light on you and reveal to you any bitternesses or unforgivenesses, even attitudes of unforgiveness that remain within you. It's top of the list. Secondly, disagreement within marriage. You know this one. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you, live with your, as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs of you with the gracious gift of life. So that what? <laughs> so that nothing is going to hinder your prayers. And I encourage those of you who are married, you should know this and you should be operating in this. Of all marriages have disagreements. All marriages have bad days and good days, bad seasons and good seasons. But whatever, we've got our disagreements in our house for many years now has been down to seconds. Seconds. So if something's wrong, I can't stand it. I can't go on. I don't want to go on anywhere. I don't want to go for a minute. I mean, one, I won't say who, but one couple here said when they have an argument, they won't speak a word for something like a week. Goodness me, what sort of demon is that? How can you have silence for a week? That's ridiculous. That's crazy. Ideally, you don't even get to the argument. You walk in the spirit. You get on the spirit side. But you need to be in a place where there's enough love and harmony within your marriage that you put that right. Folks, if you don't put it right, it's not that your prayers won't be answered. It doesn't say that. It says hindered. Okay? You can still get answered prayer because God's gracious within the married situation. But you're going to have a hard, hard job. You're going to be fighting hindrances all the time. And marriages that are not sweet and have harmony, it's hard work. The prayer is hard work. Everything seems to be hindered. Laborious. Okay? So put the relationship right. Remember, the way I treat my wife is very symbolic of the way I treat God. Very similar. Same situation. Same sort of attitudes are there. So it's not, it's not so this particular point is not surprising to me. Thirdly, one we know well. I'll, I'll show the scripture for this one if you've got your Bibles. I want you to see it. Psalm chapter 66. Psalm chapter 66 verse 18. I, and I want everybody to see this because it's one of the most misrepresented points about prayer that you'll ever hear. It's the most common. If I've cherished sin in my heart, if I hold sin in my heart, the Lord would not even have listened. Okay? If you hold iniquity, cherish sin in your heart, God cannot hear your prayer. I say that because in many different churches, on, on TV particularly, you will very often hear preachers say, always know this, God always hears your prayer. Have you heard that? Right? I've heard other people say, God always answers prayer. How ridiculous a statement. It's complete error, right? God does not always answer prayer. God does not even always hear. He said he will not listen. I'm not going to listen to your prayer. Now, iniquity in the heart is different for different people because each person has their own conscience. You need to, I hope you're listening, you can get answered prayer, but it's not based on someone else's to-do list. You'll never, you'll only become a legalist that way. So I, I, I can't come to you, Everson, and say, uh, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. And you start living to please me. It's not going to answer prayer. You know, Paul, say, Paul tries to solve this. He says, one person eats meat on Monday, another one on Tuesday. He says, let each one of them be happy in their own mind with God. So when I talk about hidden sin, it's very important, very important, folks. The sin we're talking about is sin for me before God. And that is different with each of you because your consciences are all different. This is an important point. Because otherwise you end up with self-condemnation. Please don't take offense, folks. But you will never rule my conscience. You're not the boss in my life. You're not my God. I have a God. I know my God. And my God will tell me when I'm right. And my God will tell me when I'm wrong. 
and I need to be cute to that voice. I'm not under you. I'm not under the law in that sense. Right. Those days are over. Okay? So be careful that you set yourself truly free if from, this, from this one here so that your heart is open before him and that's a good place. Uh, human authority is the most evil, wicked, self-defeating, dominating, the devil in human beings, I tell you. Don't ever put me under them. I mean for this. I'll have God any day. Because he's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. So you get that relationship in your heart and you'll find that your prayer life then flows out of your understanding of his goodness and his grace. That's what you need. That will give you faith and belief in him. The old prayer is heard. Yeah, hidden sin and old prayer is heard. Those two points go very closely together. They're slightly different. I trust you can, in your cell groups, you know, tease out the difference there. John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 7. This is another important point about being able to bring our prayers and goodness knows we've got plenty of things we want to pray about. But bringing those prayers eventually to receiving an answer. John chapter 15 and verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. In other words, the way I look at it, if you could imagine this is a, 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 a plant pot. And I put a seed in here today. I plant a seed. I've received a word. God says, pray for Armenia. Whatever. I plant the seed. There we go. Now, if I come back the next day and I uproot the seed, or I speak negative, if I speak badly about it, I'm uprooting the thing. If I have no faith in it, is it going to grow? No. And my, my, my point is, you come in here to church, and God is active in this place. And you can hear from God here, I hope, well and clearly. And God says something to you. As soon as some of you walk out the door, you're already negative. <laughs> oh yeah. Five, six people have come to me in the last just couple of years. Saying, Pastor, we don't even get out to the end of the street. And we pray in the church. And maybe it's a son or daughter, husband or wife. And we agree that God will do great things. And as soon as we get in the car, my wife says, I'll never work. And my husband says, I'll never happen. Don't worry. Pulling the seat up. Pulling the seat up. And you've got to learn. See, we're, I mean, we really are fast food, quick McDonald's kept society. Right, I want it now. Well, not all prayers are answered now. Correct? In fact, most prayers are not answered now because there's a learning process. There's patience being created. You're being matured. You value the answer when the answer comes. Trouble is, you just got to remember to associate the answer with the original prayer. Right? Always remember the prayers you prayed and think back and then when the reality comes and you get your answer, don't forget to thank God for it. But we forget to connect the two. We live in blessing and we forget that five years ago, ten years ago, we prayed. God did answer. It just took time for him to answer. So leave that in there. Leave the season in there. This is a great principle for living, a great principle for life. Let God do his work and then go through the seasons. A woman gets pregnant. She's conceived. The word is in her. Is it over? Is she going to have the baby today? No. That's an exciting bit. Ha, pregnant. Now you've got a long, slow trudge. You have to eat the right things. You have to water that prayer, right? And eventually, if you're faithful, you will bring forth the promise that God gave, right? And so it is with life. And I counsel you, don't let things, don't let this world, you know, distract you with the seasons. And goodness knows there are many seasons in life, folks. I've gone through seasons. I'm in a season now. I tell you what, I've had good seasons in my life. I guess for us, Jeanette, this is winter. I'm running, currently I reckon I'm running my output. I'm not even, I'm not even functioning at 10% of my capability right now. Because I'm tired, worn out, I'm hurt, suffering, all sorts of things, all sorts of reasons. So this is one of the lowest seasons of my entire life for sure, for about the last six months. I've had many summers back to back. This is not summer. 
This is a winter for me. What am I going to do? Reject the seed? No. You remember the messages. We preached it often enough. Don't rush out of a season. Don't rush out of a season, Michael. And if I hadn't had all the experiences I've had, you know what? I'd panic. Oh, what about the church? What about this? What about... Relax. It's a season. And you know what? Do you know what, folks? This season too will pass. All seasons pass, provided you don't eject yourself from them, provided you don't cause that abortion, provided you don't uproot the seed. You must be happy with the summers, but accept the winters when they come and don't rush them. Because the season must do its work. And when you receive that seed, let it rest. I was, I, excuse me again, for last Sunday night was really good. The questions and answers session was, was very exciting. It was a great night, wasn't it? Um, well, I shared this with, with the guys. Um, our particular season that we're in, myself and Jeanette, is we've just given away everything we have. We've got nothing left at all. I'm not saying you need to do this. I have reasons for doing this. So everything was gone, and I had one last thing to do, and that was to sign up to sell my house. So uh, when we got in a black taxi there just to go into the solicitor's office to sign that document, it was, quite a, uh, it was quite a considered moment, you know. Get in, you close the door and you think, well, you know what, Mike? After this taxi ride, you've actually got nothing left in the whole world. You know that? Never been there before. It's a different season. Never had this one before. Strange. Praise God. <laughs> the taxi driver opened his little window, and he said, Hey, can I tell you something? I said, Yeah. And he said, I've just sold my house, and I've just given away everything I have. Oh, I was shocked. I said, What? He said, I've just given away, I'm moving to Australia. I'm going to be with my son, my family's there. I'm retiring now. He said, It feels really strange. Give this to this mate, and that to this mate, and this to this mate. And, and, and everything's gone now, and it feels like such... I tell you, I got out of that taxi on cloud nine. You know what I mean? As I thought, uh, there was more than three people in the taxi. We had a hidden companion there beside me thinking, you're on the right road. Just keep coming. So encouraging. So encouraging. It's a season, folks. And prayer life, your prayer life, has got seasons. Don't eject yourself from them. You receive the word. You've got it. You know you're pregnant. You know you've got some of a burden. And maybe you're excited and full of faith. It's going to be tested. It's going to be tested. You'll have autumn, winter, summer, spring. And ultimately, you hang in there until it comes to fruition. Amen. Amen. Sixthly, the belief that there is... In fact... Yeah, 2 Kings 5. Look at this. 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 13. This is another reason why some of you are praying and you're not seeing the answers to your prayers because you're too smart. And God may ask you to do things that are, make you seem as if you're embarrassed or stupid or silly. Remember God said to Moses, strike the rock five times? Remember? What did he do? Three times. And he didn't enter the promised land. Because Moses thought, I'm not going to look like an idiot in front of the people. You're not going to humiliate me. Anyway, what's the difference? How stupid is that, God? Striking a rock. How stupid is that? Don't ask me to do stupid things. Why, why did he pay a price for that? Look at this. This is, in fact, <clears throat> 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Kings 5, verse 10. Look at this. Elijah sent a messenger to say to him, this is Naaman, Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. He's got leprosy. And your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, Huh, stupid thing to ask me to do. Huh. But Naaman went away angry and thought, I thought he would have surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over me and over the spot and cure my leprosy. Are not Abana and far from the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel. Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. But praise God for these servants. They were wiser than the king. Servants, uh, Naaman, the, uh, the servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you to go and wash and be cleansed and do a simple thing? But some of you, eyes forward please. Many of you are like Naaman. 
There are reasons why your prayers are not answered. You know, there's a saying on Wall Street, nobody is too stupid to make money, but some people are too smart. In other words, they talk themselves out of it. They use philosophy. And they never win. They never get through that. Never understand the system. And so it is the same here. Naaman felt that his intellectual approach to how to receive a miracle, don't be stupid. I'm not going to look stupid to go and wash in a river. Why doesn't God do something spectacular? But some of you are just like Naaman. Do you want your family saved? Yes. Okay. Well, let's just say, let's say I make a suggestion. Next Friday... Bring along pictures of your family and we'll pray for them. And most of you, you hear that and you go, Pastor Mike said, bring along some pictures. Well, that's a stupid, that's a stupid thing to do. I don't need pictures. Why didn't he tell us to do something brilliant? And out of all of you, we had Leanne, Sue Ann, Jessica, Gordon, Ian and Brenda, and myself. And everybody else either philosophized it out of importance. And I want to make a point to you folks. When God gives instructions, it may be simple, like he did to Moses. Don't ignore it, because it's a miracle-stopping problem. You're not being asked to philosophize or do this or do that. Remember the, remember the, the, the runaway girl who was in the toilets in spring harvest? That was phenomenal. It's phenomenal. What would have happened if that man had not done what God said? That girl ran away from home. She was being abused by her family. And she ran off. She was in the middle of nowhere. Went down a motorway. Did hitchhiking. And she ends up crossing a field. But she doesn't know that she's walking into the back of a Christian camp in Spring Harvest. She doesn't know that. And it's late at night. And she ends up going into a toilet block in this holiday camp. And she's miserable. She's depressed. She's no idea where she is. And she goes into one of the cubicles and there's a broken bottle, there's broken glass there. And she picks up a piece of the broken glass and she says, you know what, what's the, what's the point? What is the point? Why don't I just end this thing now? She says, that's what I'll do. But at the same time, there's a guy who can't sleep. One of the Christians on the camp. And he hears a clear word from God. Get up, get dressed, and go to the ladies' toilet. So he gets up over he goes and he's standing outside the block and he says God speaks to him sing sing Jesus loves me this I know and that man's to Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible and he sings and he sings okay can I go now and he goes back and it was a couple of nights later that that girl was led up on the platform in spring harvest, shaking and terrified. And she told this story. And she said, I was just about to kill myself when from somewhere I heard the song that they used to sing in Sunday school. Jesus, and I knew that I'm not to kill myself. There's hope for me. Isn't that great? Amen. So what happens if the man who's told to get up, get dressed, and go and stand outside the toilets and sing, oh, don't treat me like this, God, I'm not an idiot. You see, it's a miracle-stopping problem. When you start to philosophize or demean the things of God, He will ask you to do things that are not, don't make human sense, right? Look at the miracles. Look at the miracles Jesus performed. Many of them made no natural sense, and there's a humbling of you in that process, and the glory definitely goes to God then, right? So these are miracle-stopping problems. These are prayer-stopping problems, prayer-hindering problems. Point six, that there is no protocol when it comes to praying. Wrong. There's plenty of protocol. People, people lose this, you know. They lose the, the essential nature of the, 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 the holiness of God and the fact that you are approaching a king. When we had all the trouble with Todd Bentley, remember, I wouldn't let the thing be shown here and some people left the church because of that because I just didn't feel right about it at the beginning, it wasn't right. One of the things that put me off was he was baptizing people. No problem with Todd Bentley. I'm not picking on him. May God bless him. I hope he's right with God now. He had this swimming pool, and he got this, these people, 
and he put his hand on, on her head and he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Kabosh. The Holy Kabush. The whole, I turn it off. In Jesus' name, God, God forgive us. Not the Holy, what are you talking about? How far have you gone from your knowledge of God? It's not a game. There's, there's protocol here. There's biblical protocol for baptism. This is not a joke. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ you're celebrating and, and symbolizing. For heaven's sake, take it seriously and honor God. I'm the person who's being baptized. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And so it is with prayer. We have a laissez-faire, casual attitude to prayer. And then we blame God because we don't think it's answered. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. So the disciples, the apostles are following Jesus and they too are praying. They're praying all the time. They see him pray that they pray, but there's a big difference. Jesus' prayers are answered. And their prayers are so often not. And they want to know, what is the difference? What is he doing that we're not doing? Lord, show us what the prerequisites are. Teach us what they are. Matthew chapter 6 verse 9. So he answers them. He says, okay, okay, okay. This then is how you should pray. Our Father. So there's your first prerequisite for answered prayer. Eyes forward. Everybody look up here. You can go home this afternoon and you can tell Jesus you love him. You can talk to him. You can sing songs to him. Let's do it. There's no problem. You can talk to the Father. You can talk to the Holy Ghost. You can talk to Jesus Christ. No problem. That's your relationship with God. But they didn't say that. They said teach us how to pray. The authority bit. How do we pray? How come you're getting answers and we're not getting answers? You see, some people, some of you are not getting answers to your prayer because you go home and you pray to Jesus. And he didn't say not to do that, right? (laughs) They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, okay, I'll say it if you're willing to listen. This is how you should pray. Our Father. You pray to the Father. All effective prayer will be to the Father, through the Son, In the Spirit. Just remember that. To the Father, we're talking, not relationship, you can talk to Jesus all day. But they wanted to know why he got the answers that they didn't get. And Jesus was telling them, Jesus, there's a divorce between God the Father and the earth, and Jesus builds that gap. Jesus reconnects us with the power source. So you pray to the Father through the one, Jesus, who reconnects you, honoring him for his position, his eternal position. As the Son of God. Do you understand? Now you can just put this off. And that's why some of you never see answered prayer. Because we think, well, what? I don't care about striking the rock. I don't care if they say bring a photograph. I know better than all of that. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I'm above all that. And it's just another one, another attitude, another mental block that keeps us from receiving and functioning in the way that we should. Actually, the root of it all is... Just pride. It's just plain old pride. Wanting to go straight into the Father? I don't think so. Not unless you go through Jesus, friend. You're not going straight into any Father. You go through Jesus and you will always remember that. It's a humbling experience. He's the the rock we stumble upon, right? Number seven is that some of us give up on praying because we say, well, what does it matter? God will do it anyway, right? This is all, I mean, it's true. God will not be thwarted in his will. He will ultimately have his way. If you're looking at the grand scheme of things, he will ultimately, yes, God wins. God's the victor. We know the end of the story. But if you can sit there this morning and say, well, God will do it anyway, you're right, but you've got a bad attitude. (laughs) I told you about my, 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 my sister when I grew up. There's nine children, nine brothers and sisters in our family. And my father was very seriously ill once. And my mother came down with a prescription for the doctor. And we were all just sitting around in the kitchen or whatever. And my mother came down and said to one of my sisters, Here, take that down to the chemist and get it for your father. And I remember my sister just saying, uh, No. Cheeky, you know, cocky. Just a kid. No. I didn't like that. So I just took it off. Now, I'll go. I was angry at my sister on the way to the chemist. Very angry. And on the way back, I was sad. Because I realized, wow. Get some medicine for your sick dad. How on earth can you say no? Oh, I see. 
because you don't understand the honour, the privilege. You didn't, oh, that's sad. So first I was angry, and then I thought, no, I'm not angry. She needs to be pitied. And we say, come and pray. Come on Friday and pray. You think, nah, cheeky, arrogant, self-centered, nah, I don't think I'll go. But some will go. And I, I fear for the lack of honour towards God, the lack of honour and privilege of the fact that we're end times believers, folks. Imagine being trusted to live in this day, in this hour, at this moment. The great, great trust that has been put into you to do certain things at this time, to be his voice in the world. God help you. God help me. God help us. Point eight. Some people say, not in this church, but I've had this in many places. Some people say, oh, what's all this prayer, all night prayer, and goodness knows what prayer. You don't need all that. Just worship. Let's just worship God. It's just coming in worship. You don't need to go with your shopping list and do this. Wrong, folks. Wrong. Yes, we do worship. Of course we do. And indeed, in the Our Father, he doesn't just say Our Father. He brings it to a place of exaltation. Our Father, went, hallowed be thy name. Right. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Amen. No problem with that. But once you've done that, there's work to be done. Right? And once Jesus got that done, which is proper protocol, he then turns to his list. Give us this day our daily bread, blah, 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 blah. He then starts to name the things that he wants done and he speaks them out. He's fulfilled the protocol. Now he's looking for what he needs done and he gets it. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. So you need to just follow the same thing. Don't get hyper-spiritual. We need to worship. But you also need to do your job in speaking, which you know I'm so vexed about sometimes because I, I can only repeat myself for the 100th time. Some of you never pray anyway. You only meditate. Because the word prayer in Greek is to cry aloud, out loud. That's what the word is. Okay? Everything else is meditation, when I'm thinking in my brain, or it's thinking in my heart. But it is not prayer. It is not biblical prayer. Uh, there's numerous scriptures. Je Jesus said, you will have whatever you think. No. You will have whatever you say. Okay? If anyone says to this mountain, move. And I'll say it again and again and again until maybe every day somebody else gets it. And so you start to articulate the, the burden that God puts upon you. You don't have to shout it as such, although Jesus did. Scripture says he did, he did shout, actually. That's what it says in Hebrews. He offered up prayers with loud shouts and cries. But that doesn't matter. It's not the volume that, that matters. What matters is the sincerity of your heart, the, the, the fact that you're doing it intelligently, knowing what you're doing, and then actually speaking, saying something. Okay? So I encourage you folks, you need to make a fresh commitment to collective prayer here as a church. I won't deal with it today because it's a, it's a separate topic. Yeah, God will do it anyway. But that's not the point, is it? My dad will get his medication. No problem. There's nine kids here. Somebody will do it. But while that piece of paper and nobody's claimed it yet, you know what? I'll do it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Quick. I'll go. I'll have that honour. And so burdens are being, I believe God's over the parapet of heaven offering prayers for people to pray, looking for those who will receive whatever burden for whatever issue. The next one, look at this next one, number nine. I'm not good enough. You remember the story of Gideon? In fact, remember Saul. Saul, when, when God first called Saul to be king, Saul was a humble guy and a good guy. It says that when he called him, he went and hid, didn't he? He went and hid because he was embarrassed and Saul felt, oh, not me, not me, not me. That was genuine. He was, he, was a, he was a good guy in the beginning, but his heart became exalted. He started off right, but he didn't end right. In the end, God said, I'm sorry I ever appointed you. One of the worst lines in scripture, eh? But some of you need to get over the I'm not good enough thing. Okay? I, I don't have a problem with this one because I know people. None of you are any better than me. And I'm not any better than any of you. Amen. Amen. Oh, you better believe it. You need to get that very straight in your life or again, people will start dominating you. We're all, we're all people here. We're all sinners. All sinners. So don't start exalting people. Don't start having heroes because they're not heroes. And don't start having zeros either because they're not zeros. And when you start looking, everybody eyes forward. When you start looking down on people, mark my words, the person you look down on, 
will one day fly over your head. And God will show you who you are. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. It's pride, 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 pride. We're actually all the same. And if you continue in your life to say, I'm not good enough, God wants a prayer ministry. God wants to do this. He says, oh, no, 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 not me. I can't stand that attitude. It's a terrible attitude. Chin Tai's done a great job with us here for the last while. Praise God. I really appreciate that. Your input to the team. Fantastic. I emailed Leanne last night and I said, look, you know, we need help. We need help. We need someone to bridge the gap and to bring the team forward. Chintai's on, on the move. How would you think about stepping back into that role? I know I, I could be really honest here, folks, because it breaks my heart. I get so annoyed and so disappointed with people who say, I'm not good enough. Not good enough. But Leanne came in this morning with a big smile and said, you know what? I'll do it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Excuse me. I asked Philia yesterday, if you never led worship, would you lead worship? And she said, no, I'm not good enough. No, I'm going to joke. She said, yes, I'll do it. We asked Farsai, no, she's here. Asked Farsai if she will lead. Did she say yes? Okay. One head goes that way, the other head goes, she will say yes. Just for a joke. She will say it. It's important, folks. Don't play games with, with the offers that God puts before you. And if you get it right at one level, everybody listen, eyes forward. Say, we want you to uh, do the announcements. Right? You get it right that next. God's never satisfied. Next year, I'll ask you something else. And then you get over that hurdle. Next year, I'll ask you something else. It never ends. Because there's work to be done. This is our RMD meeting. This is the Regional Mission Director Board of VFC. And we meet four times a year in different parts of the world. They're going to start going around the continents uh, where the different regions are. And I was asked to join this group about two and a half years ago. And when you come in here, it's a very daunting scenario. This is Alan Litt. I met Alan about 22 years ago for the first time when he was just starting out in China. And today he has 25,000 pastors. 25,000. He's just absolutely phenomenal. Deshaun, unfortunately, that's not a good picture, excuse me. This is, this is break time anyway. This is Deshaun Wakamatra, who is president of Assemblies of God Sri Lanka, president of two Bible colleges, has a huge church. Could you just go forward one slide and then go back? That's his church. We ministered here on the Sunday. It was great. Just go back to the beginning. Thanks, Stefan. There's John Verhoff. He oversees the, the South Pacific, the Pacific Islands. Sadi Lam oversees India. Alan Das oversees Africa. This is Jerry David. So, Jerry, in America recently, there's been three revivals. There was Toronto, Grand Rapids, and Brownsville. Jerry led the Grand Rapids. He led the, he's a worship minister. He led the worship for that whole revival. And so in the mornings, when we all come in and everybody's tired, whoa, can he lead worship? Can he lead worship? He's absolutely phenomenal. But I get undone. I... I I get embarrassed because I just go to pieces. I fall, fall apart. Not in front of you, but in front of them. Fall to pieces because you're undone. Undone. He currently has 6,000 pastors around him, under him around the world called MFI, Ministers Federation International. So they put me in this room. You get my point. What, what on earth are you doing there? What am I doing in here? I'm nobody. Some people ask you, what do you do? What doesn't matter what I do? <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> Who are you? It doesn't matter. What on earth are you doing here? Now, if you want a challenge, this is a challenge. And this guy here, Dishan, he's very kind to me this time, put his arm around me, and uh, he could see I was suffering, not because of the challenge, because I'm not. I'm not challenged by that or by them. They don't frighten me. They're the same as me. Got it? They're the same as me. They're no better than me. I'm no worse than them. I don't buy that at all. That's not my challenge. This is my challenge. And he could see, he put his arm around me and he said this, Mike, 30 years ago, I met Rick when I was doing very little. And he said, come with me. Why don't we build churches? Why don't we do this? And today, look at the result. And I was there when Alan first was sent out. 
and look at the result today. And that so encouraged me. You don't have to do everything tomorrow. It's a journey. And it's a journey that will take you somewhere if you will take that first step. I warn you folks, it's a false humility that says, not me. It's a false humility. It's wickedness and it's pride. When there's work to be done, tell me, who will go? Thank you, John. Thank you. Who will go? And you start saying your pride. You start saying, oh, not me. This is not good stuff. This is, it looks good. looks good in the eyes of men. But I don't buy it. I don't buy it. So don't fall for that one, folks. There's a lot of work to be done. A lot of churches to be planted. And I thank God as I look back over the years when, when other challenges came. I remember we were challenged to do the, the Love Island project and that was planting churches all over. I, I, don't, I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. But you know, today, if you drive, there's a city just outside Dublin called Navan. It's about the size of Aberdeen. And you could drive into Navan, the road splits in two, uh, and, and there's a shopping centre there. And upstairs, you'll see a church there. It's called First Assemblies of God Navan. Who planted that? Yeah. I did, yeah. That's right. Because one day, Rick challenged me too. And in my heart, I say, I can't. But you know what? I can. I can. We can. You can. You can. You can do this. And I've got to weed out that because it's actually pride. It's inverted pride. It's wickedness. And I've got to be able to overcome that. Could I have the video of Armenia up, Stefan, please? I began working with the underground church in Armenia. I don't know if you've got volume. It doesn't really matter if you haven't got volume. This is one of my favorite places in the world, actually. I just love these people. They're, they're, they're a great bunch. This is the underground church. This, these are your brothers and sisters, our members in Yerevan. It's great, isn't it? We just finished, the, these are mostly single people. We finished the what, What's Love Got to Do With It seminar on a Saturday afternoon. The church meets here on Sunday. It's about twice this number. But it's a joy, folks, to, to, to sow into the kingdom. It's a joy to see life. And I, 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 I plead with you. Whatever opportunities get presented to you, don't talk yourself out of them. Don't talk yourself out of them. And don't think about what other people will say. Don't think about the criticisms. Put that all out of your mind. And be open. That church that we planted in Navan, the youngest member on that team was 58. And all the rest were over 60. Three married couples. And they easily could have said, I can't do it, I won't do it. Not me. But they didn't. And the result is fruit in the kingdom. The days are short, folks. We're going to plant in Russia. Could I have the map up? I ask you all to, to please pray and we need finances. And in fact, I would put a specific appeal out to you today for finances. I need finances to plant churches. We're going to start here. Krasnodor. I, uh, we had a great meeting in here yesterday with the Russians and we made a decision to aim for this area here which is just as Kiev where the war is going on at the moment, eastern Ukraine but Alex knows many people up and down this corridor I'm doing two events in Romania and Bulgaria in July so I'm going to block out a window in the middle of that and pop over here and meet some of the leaders in this area with a view to planting churches right throughout this span and yesterday I was just encouraging Alex. Alex is a maintenance man. He's a builder. And so you can imagine the challenge going through his head. He's going through it. He never done this before. And yesterday I was just saying to the guy, look, don't, don't say I'm not good enough. Jesus is good enough. We can do this. We can do this. Somebody's got to do it. Everybody's saying someone else will do it. You do it, Alex. You do it. Let, let us do it. Now, I don't have any money for this, by the way. We don't have any funds at all to pay for this at the moment. So I ask you, even next week, would you help us fund this? I can walk into Navan in Ireland. I hope you understand my attitude when I'm saying it. I want you to understand deposit in the kingdom. I can walk into Navan and I can see that and I can think, well, thank God. Thank God the church is, thank God the kingdom is built. Praise God. You can do Russia. Okay, I'm not asking you to go but you can help us to fund it. I need about, probably about four grand, 4,000 pounds, just for this initial phase. 
because we're going to talk about a 1,500-kilometer reconnaissance trip with four of the Russian guys from yesterday. We've got a Jeep. We've got the Jeep already. And they're going to travel right through. This is not easy stuff. It's dangerous turf. You see the news. This is a dangerous area right now. But I think we need to go right in there. I'm going to go in there. Okay? We need to go right in there and we need to talk with the brothers locally, try and connect and make some sort of church planting arrangement. Pastor Rick has linked us with some Russians in Seattle and we're going to try and bring them over here. I'm going to go over there in August and, and meet that community there and then try and bring them into this endeavor to join with us there. This is the part of the world that they've asked us to, this church specifically to be committed to. Okay, so can you hear me? I need a special offering. Let's do it next week because I need to start the funding and all the rest of that. We need about four grand. So I ask you to please bring your pictures in next Friday. Don't, don't blank me on it. Don't blank me on it. Don't get religious on me in one ear and out the other. Don't forget it as soon as you walk out the door. Okay? We need funds and this is your part. Okay? This is what you do. This is your deposit in the kingdom. Tenthly, what stops our prayers being answered? Look at this one, Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. This is a very good scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 29. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions? That's the promises God has for you. And carry off his possessions. Unless he first ties up the strong man, then you can get the promises. So, very simple from Jesus, but it's something that we just do not obey. Every one of you has a strong man. Every Christian has a dominating sin. There are no exceptions. It's the nature of the game. Every Christian has a point of growth. An obstacle you must overcome. A hindrance that you're not going anywhere until you deal with that thing. Jesus refers to it as the strong man. And one of the reasons why many Christians struggle with stupid things Silly little arguments and squabbles, stupid, petty little things defeat many, don't they? There's a reason for that. Because that Christian has never obeyed this scripture, and so their prayers are hindered for all of their lives. Jesus is very clear. You will never succeed unless you first take out the strong man. Gloria, have you got your crutch with you? Gloria, are you sleeping? Have you got your crutch? Come here, come here. Come, Come down here with your crutch. Come down here a minute. Give me a big strong man. There's a big strong man. Come over here. Yeah, come up here, Glory. Come up. You're going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Okay, look. Look, here's a strong, 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 strong guy. Right? And here we have... Give her a round of applause. Come on. Okay. Okay. You come here. Mervyn, come, 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 come. Now, Mervyn is... Mervyn's your average Christian. Just a normal guy. Okay? No, Gloria, turn around here. No. I want you to. I want you to attack him with a crutch. Come on, hit it. yeah, hit him with it. Hit him with it. Well, do, 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 do. Look, look, she's beating him. She's beating him. Madhu, you've got a day off. You're okay. <laughs> she, she's beating him. She's beating him. Look, he's not fighting back. Look, she, he should be able to knock her out, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's a Christian. He's strong, and yet. You know, tiny little... I'm not referring to you as a yeah. tiny little thing. <laughs> tiny little things. Push him around and he allows it to... Ha- what's, what's... I don't get that. I don't know what's going on. Keep watching. Gloria has got some big friends. <laughs> Gloria's got a big friend. Mm-hmm. A strong man. <laughs> Gloria's got a strong man. And as long as he is her friend, the little squirt in the school playground can bully and beat anybody they want. Correct? Yeah. So Jesus talks to Mervyn and says to Mervyn, Mervyn, don't worry about Gloria. Come here, Mervyn. Your job is to take out him. (laughs) Now, I brought a knife along today for this purpose. Your job is to take him down. Fall down, fall down, fall fall down, fall down. There you go. And see, Gloria, run away, run away. She's gone. You take out the strong man, all the little things leave. Simple as that. Thank you, guys. Give them a round of applause. Go on. However, that is not what Christians do. In most Christians' life, lives or prayer agendas, the strong man is not number one on their list. It's the last thing on their list. That's called a deception. For many, many, most believers, they have a prayer agenda, a victory agenda, 
And that victory will you know, be pretty easy on you. But it's actually self-defeating. And every school playground has this scenario played out every day. And sadly, many Christian lives have this scenario played out every day. Jesus did not make the same mistake in his prayer life. And so he ended up getting answers to his prayer. How did Jesus enter ministry? Who's the first person he took out? Jesus. The devil. Satan. So Jesus is going to enter ministry. 40 days of prayer and fasting. And then he takes down the strong man. Faced Satan. At the end of it, what did I say last Sunday night? I've said this a hundred times. I said to you guys, you're not listening, you're not getting it. Didn't I? Made this point so many times. You don't get it because you hear with your ears, not with your spirit. Jesus took out Satan before, before, the first thing. Bind the strong man. Then he entered ministry, healed the sick, the lesser things. Then everything was a piece of cake. Once he had dealt with the major thing, right? And so it is with us. And for each of us, that's a different thing. But it applies to every person in this room and in every church around the world. You need to make a decision a day when you say, right, you know what? I am going to do this through Christ. I am able and willing and ready to do this to take out the strong man. Number 11. Conceiving in prayer, receiving words from God, but never bringing them to fruition. Remembering it is like pregnancy and Paul described it like pregnancy. He said there was a point of labor, that we went through a laboring process. Don't be afraid of that. Just because prayers are not answered instantly, you do not give up. Keep on laboring. That's the word Paul uses. I think, yeah, Galatians 4.11. You can look at that in your cell groups. And the last one. Failure to recognize the different points of prayer. We spent a whole message on this, if you remember. In Ephesians, Paul says, always pray in the Spirit at all times. What does he say next? With all types of prayer. With all types of prayer. Eyes forward. Look at me. Pay attention. I guarantee you, some of you are not seeing victory on some things. You're praying for them. But you're using the wrong prayer. Isabel is seeing victory. I am convinced of that. A few weeks ago, we had a meeting here for Jim. And she came in here and she said this. We're not praying right. From now on, we're going to pray with prayer and fasting. She changed the prayer. She changed the type of prayer. And Jesus had the same problem one day. There was a spirit they couldn't drive out, you remember? And I said, why? I said, well, you're using the wrong type of prayer. He said, this type can only come out with prayer and fasting. You need to change it. So Paul does the same thing. He lists maybe 10 or so. I've given you a small list. Supplication, uh, intercession, prayer, formal prayer that is. Prayer with thanksgiving, the prayer of faith, the prayer of agreement, petition prayer, prayer with fasting, all night prayer, etc. Early morning prayer, which is the one I exercise the most. I get up very early. I walk, I pray, I love that. That's my lifeline. So folks... You can bless yourself and go on about your daily life and just treat it like another Sunday. Fine. Someone's going to have to take up the call. Someone's going to have to go, give, pray, and be willing to go through the rigors of everything that that entails for us. Good job we're having communion. So all prayer is to the Father, through the Son, in the Spirit. Maybe today you reconnect yourself with the Father. One of the biggest mistakes of Pentecostalism is when we baptize people, they leave our churches and the only name on their lips, the only person they know is Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's error. That, 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 that's bad guidance. That's not a good baptism. It's not a good beginning to the Christian life. A Christian was supposed to leave their baptism with a relationship with the Father that had been restored. Hello? And a proper, if you're properly born again and solidified, you know the Father, you know the Son, and you know the Spirit. You're walking in the Spirit. He's a triune God. But some of you only relate to Jesus, and that's a problem with your prayer life. Because authority comes through the Father. So take a moment, folks.
close your eyes before we have communion. Why don't you just silently, privately, in your own heart, talk to the Father. You can say, our Father, my Father. Talk to Him right now. Jesus, you taught us that there was a protocol with the things of heaven and the things of the King of Kings. We ask you to forgive us for demeaning this or abusing it. And today we recognize you, Father God. And we recognize you, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through whom we approach the Father. Indeed, through communion, we remember what you've done. And God, in light of this list we've looked at this morning, before we take communion, we ask you to help us forgive everyone who's ever offended us. We give forgiveness freely and openly and happily to all. And we ask you to forgive us our waywardness and our wickedness. Set us free in the Spirit.